Last week, we talked about the follower dilemma. If you haven't heard that one yet, go ahead and check that out. Today, we have a special Easter edition and conversation about family legacy building. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple of pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. Ted and I are so excited today because yesterday was Easter. um, And as we were discussing what to share in this episode, we realized the importance of family and how all of that works in terms of our legacy, but then also how to keep that in mind as we are building out the different nonprofit, uh, the different business, the different things that we're working on. Uh, Because sometimes we get so focused on what we're doing out there for other people that we forget what it means to be building a legacy within our own home. So I'm super excited for today's episode, and I think this is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, it's going to be super, super fun. And something that Lisa and I have learned over the years is that you can there are so many other people in the world and so many causes and so many, so many different things that you can focus on. It can be really tempting to have blinders on to what's right in front of you. And really, our families are the legacy that is probably going to be the easiest to build both negatively and positively. And mm-hmm. we have to be thinking about are we building a good family legacy in the midst of working on the other legacy stuff that we are doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm excited because we get to share a lot of what we've learned over the years and just kind of bring up some different ideas and questions for you to be thinking about. So let's jump into this. Um, Ted, when you think about family in the midst of building a legacy, a lot of times we think of legacy as what we are doing out there, whether it's the cause that we're trying to support, the difference that we're trying to make in the world. uh, How does family fit into all that? I mean, really, I think our listeners can agree that family is kind of is core to what we want to be able to do. It's the launching point for our ability to care for the people outside of our family is how well we're able to actually care for people inside. Something that we've seen uh, in the in the ministry world is unfortunately a lot of times the uh, you know churches or ministries can really be very demanding on the leaders of those uh, those causes those nonprofits. But I know that it extends outside of that. It extends into the business world. It extends into all sorts of different types of nonprofits and any kind of leadership role. Where the people that you're leading, the people that you're helping, can can really take a toll and be very demanding of your energy and your time. And if you're not careful in setting up boundaries. You can end up in some really bad places down the road. And unfortunately, a lot of times you see this happen where in ministry, the next generation, the the kids of the leaders end up walking away from what the parents really valued. And I think a lot of uh, what caused us to start Legacy Builders was that thought process where we saw that happening, uh, not specifically in the organization that we were a part of, but just in general, where one generation can be very, very focused on faith and on helping certain groups of people and all that. And then the next generation, their kids, they see how much it pulled their parents away from them. So they're like, I just don't want to even be associated with that. Mm-hmm. 
And so let's talk a little bit about setting up some boundaries, because I think that that would be very helpful for our listeners, <laughs> uh, both in the nonprofit and the for-profit world. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first we should share some of our background with this. Sure. Um, when Ted started out in nonprofit work or when we started out in nonprofit work, we had been married a whole two weeks. <laughs> um, we really yes. we got married, went on our honeymoon, came back, jumped into nonprofit work. Um, at that time working at a church. And it was really interesting because we haven't really been married outside of nonprofit work. We really much just dove into it. Uh, a couple of years into it, we had our first kid, um, a couple of years after that, our second, and then our third. And as and what we realized over time was the boundaries that we set at the beginning didn't work with each stage that happened like <laughs> what worked for us when it was just the two of us um as soon as we had a kid we didn't shift the boundaries properly right um and so we ended up in a not so great situation um and what we learned was the importance of having the right boundaries evaluating the boundaries and then shifting your boundaries over time and really recognizing that different seasons require different boundaries and as your family adjusts and grows, even if it doesn't grow by another kid, but just develops into the next stage, um, you really have to be conscious about this. Otherwise, you'll think, I had my boundary set. I'm good to go. And I'm in the clear. And I know we ran into that. Yeah, it's not a set it and forget it type of situation. There's always something new coming, whether it is a new season with your kids or a new season with your parents or a new season with other family members, the people that you hold near and dear to you. Those seasons don't stop changing. And so our first time around, like Lisa said, we kind of found ourselves in a pretty tricky spot. We had to make some adjustments and it was not from a place of like proactive. It was, it was definitely very, reactive. very, very reactive. But by the time we had our second kid, I remember we had conversations while you were pregnant about, OK, how are we going to adjust things? How are we going to shift the way that we work? How are we going to shift the way that, you know, when you come home from work, how are we going to you know, run our family and still have a thriving family life because we didn't want to just build a great ministry. We wanted to build a great life. Mm -hmm. And that is so essential. If you want to be able to do the cause and, and make the change in the world that you want to see made, you have to be operating from a place of health. And that includes your family. If you're, if, if you're inadvertently creating a lot of really tense family situations because of how much time you're spending on your nonprofit, you're not going to be able to bring the focus that you need to be able to bring long term to the nonprofit. So everybody suffers. The, the, the people in your immediate family, the people that you're trying to help aren't getting the focus and the attention that they need as well because you're operating at a deficit from home. Mm -hmm. And when you're operating outside of that unity and that partnership in your home, whether it's with your spouse or with your kids um, or whoever it is that you're surrounded by, what ends up happening is you don't have the support that you need to go out and do the work. Um, and so it takes a toll kind of on everyone across the board. And it's really, really, really challenging, whether you're at the top leading the organization, sometimes the pressures that we put or the pressure that we feel is pressure that we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, in our case, we were in the middle of an organization and it wasn't always even the pressure that was coming from the top, but it was us reacting to what we had built and then trying to run to catch up and not prioritizing our family in a way where as it changed, we were able to take a step back and really see what was going on. 
Right. And so that put us in a place where we went to a marriage counselor. It's not like our marriage was completely falling apart. We think it's super smart to have a marriage counselor anyway. We highly recommend that everybody who is married and who is in any kind of leadership role mm-hmm. um, has a marriage counselor, specifically who who uh, specializes in leadership marriages because right. there are a lot of different dynamics that happen there. Um, but through that conversation, one of the things that really cropped up and, and made me think and made us think a lot and start having some great conversations was this idea that when you get to a point where you're in a leadership role, you're always going to feel like you should be home more and spending time with your family and doing all that when you're at work. And when you're at home with your family, you're always thinking about, ah, I should be doing stuff to further the cause that I am working on. So you, you find yourself in this spot where you never feel... Uh, you always feel guilty. You always mm-hmm. feel guilty about where you are. And one of the things that our counselor said that just struck me was so good. He was like, listen, just be okay with focusing and giving everything that you have during that time when you're at work and then come home and focus all of your time and don't let guilt pull you away from that time because that focus time at work allows you then to be at home and have focused time at home because you know I gave everything that I have there I wasn't pulled in multiple different directions I wasn't uh, avoiding work by you know talking to my family all day long (laughs) and then vice versa when you're at home you're not talking to all the people that you work with uh, while you're at home supposed to be spending time with your kids and stuff and and I know we're using a lot of the examples of, of kids just from our own experience but this this can go to, you know, if you're a roommate, you know, you're living with somebody else. If you're married, and you don't have kids or talking about family too, like parents, maybe you don't live with your parents, but you know, you only have 20 years or so left with them around, um, factoring that in and thinking, how can I structure my life in a way that I can work from a place of power and of rest and knowing that I'm spending the appropriate amount of time where I need to spend it with the right amount of focus. Mm-hmm. And that could be hard. I think identifying what the appropriate amount of time is. Absolutely. Um, and then also training yourself to focus while you're there. Um, because I know for us, when we first got started, it took time to teach ourselves how to put stuff down. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a skill that it's weird because it doesn't seem like it should be a skill. For me, whenever I'm carrying too much and I can't let go of all the things on my mind, um, I feel like I should just be able to do this. I should just be able to flick a switch and have it be completely fine. But it really is a level of self-control that you have to develop within yourself. It's a muscle, just like anything else, where you're able to set down the things that need to be set down so that you can focus on what you're doing right now. Um, And I think a lot of times with our families it almost becomes this idea of, well, they'll be there tomorrow. They'll be there in two days. I can focus one more time on this one last task and get it done and get it done. And it's that tyranny of the urgent in the work that we're doing, I think sometimes screams louder than what's happening in the home. Because like with us, with our marriage, It wasn't necessarily this urgent thing. Building a relationship is not this urgent task that is glaring at you saying, you have to do it today. You have to do it today. You have to do it today. It's a slow burn. It's a very slow burn. And if you don't recognize 
that it's the little moments in between the big moments that build and maintain the relationship. Eventually, it slowly erodes over time until you're at a place where you're like, I have no idea how we got to this. Spot. Yeah, now now it feels broken. I'm trying to put something back together that's broken rather than maintaining something and growing something over a long period of time. And this, I think, gives us a really good transition into talking about boundaries because training ourselves to live like that and to have a rhythm of work and home, um, the putting boundaries in places is what trained us. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a few of those boundaries that we set that um, honestly were really, really hard at the time. Now they're very just part and parcel of what our life is now. Mm-hmm. But talk. let's talk about some of those first boundaries that we set up. Do you remember? Um, one of the first things <clears throat> that I remember I had to get really good at um, Ted would be at the office all day and he'd be working super, super quick. His brain would be spinning. He was just going so fast. And me being at home with a young child, I wasn't working at a super high speed in terms of where I was at mentally. It was just a very slow, you know, I have a toddler in the home. I'm taking care of cooking. I'm Lots taking of care of the home. different types of energy. Yeah, it was different <laughs> types of energy. I still had things I was doing. I think during that season, I was writing a book and some other stuff. Yeah, so you were I, still doing lots of I stuff. I <laughs> had a lot of stuff going on, but the level at which I was communicating, it was just slower and quieter. And so there was a season where when Ted would come home, he'd be running at like a million miles a minute. And for me, he'd come home and I'd be running at like five. And so what I had to do for myself was to recognize like a big boundary, and this might not sound like a boundary, but a boundary for myself was to recognize what time Ted was coming home, set an alarm for myself 15 minutes before he was going to get home and start ramping up mentally so that I could meet him closer to where he was at. And on the flip side, when I finished up work, I needed to give myself 15 minutes of space. And at the time, I think we lived basically right next door to the Mm -hmm. church yeah (laughs) like we lived in an apartment building that was just like a block away and then we moved a little bit further across town and so it was only a five minute drive so i would intentionally drive around a little bit to slow myself down because it was it wasn't just like hey you meet me like don't meet me halfway you meet me all the way you know oh yeah you you go ahead and ramp yourself up and i'll just keep operating a million miles a minute i had to learn how to slow down some too so we could meet in the middle and actually communicate um because I would come home and I'd be all like flustered and kind of like frustrated at like the slow, relaxed pace of the conversation. And I want to talk <laughs> in like fast bullet points, get things done, run to the next thing. You know, I was already thinking ahead. And part of this is my personality, too. I just generally I'm always thinking about the next thing rather than what's right now. Mm-hmm. But that helped a ton. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely a ton. Uh, a big boundary for me that I set had everything to do with my phone. Not just turning it off when I got home, although that's that was a big one, figuring out how to be able to set it down when I got home, which we'll get into that in just a second, but also figuring out how to set boundaries with my phone when I was at work as well. So that way I wasn't feeling that guilty pull all the time because your phone represents all the connections that you have, all, all the different people that you're connected to. Right. So when I'm at work, it represented my family and, you know, friends that weren't at work. And when I was at home, it represented everything that had to do with work. And so I had a super tough time in the beginning when I was at home setting the phone down. So I I remember, and this takes a lot of trust, right? But I remember giving Lisa my phone every day when I came home and just trusting if it was a conversation that needed to happen for work stuff, that she would 
kind of be that guardian of that. And this was from a suggestion from our uh, marriage counselor as well. It's just like Lisa needs to be the guardian of her own sanctuary. <laughs> so you need to figure out how to let her do that. So that way uh, you guys can build that trust mm-hmm. and that habit of work stays at work, home stays at home, except in emergencies, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm at work and when Micah jumped off a chair and cut his ear open and had to get stitches, Obviously, Lisa was able to get through in that moment and I dropped everything and I went and helped her, you know, get a couple stitches for for our kid Um, and vice versa. When there's like an emergency, you know, I had I was scheduling musicians at the time and it's a Saturday night and the next day I have, you know, a drummer that calls and says, oh, I can't be there. You know, Lisa wasn't just going to be like, oh, he'll deal with that tomorrow. Like, (laughs) I was like, no, we're going to give you the phone now. We're going to let you work on this. Yep. And so that was like a huge thing in trust. But I remember. I like that you said that. It it was my sanctuary. That was the wording that our marriage counselor gave me. And he said, with Lisa's personality, she needs her home to be a sanctuary, a place of peace and of rest. And so I had to become comfortable guarding that, Um, which sounds really strange. But I think sometimes for myself, I felt like other people should innately understand what I needed. And so I would allow other people's um, ideas, other people's... um, emergencies, other people's opinions to encroach into our home. I'd be like, well, you know, it's people say I should run it like this, so I should run it like that. People think that I should be hosting X, so I'm going to host X. And eventually I had to realize, no, this has to be the the place where it's our family. I feel like it's a place of peace and a place place of rest. Because even though I was home a lot, I was still out and about doing things. And I had to be very, very intentional and very aware um, to stand up for what I needed within our home. And thankfully, Ted and I were in agreement about this. Um, so every example that we give, like we came to an agreement before we started implementing. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just like, <laughs> was here, just like, take my phone. <laughs> this is my home. You have to act or like... Or like, like you weren't demanding my phone when I came home right. either. Like that, that, that would have been... It would have eroded trust with me. Like, really? You don't trust me to give you my phone? You have to like take it from me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we, it was this process, though. Our boundaries were so non-existent for such a period of time that we had to build trust with each other. And so one of the things was me having to learn how to communicate very clearly what I needed and what I needed it. And I'll be honest, I'm still not perfect about that. But it did tre- it did teach me how to get clearer and more aware earlier on so that I could say it and communicate it and you know, really have those parameters. I remember I used to volunteer at the church a lot when I was first getting started. And I remember the seasons where I would like bring home projects and work on stuff. But after that meeting with Dr. Keller, looking back, I don't think I can remember ever bringing home a project to work on as a volunteer. Yeah, it was kind of like, if I'm going to work on a project, I'm going to go there. So that way things are compartmentalized a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So that I do the projects there. I help out there um, when Ted would need help. Because a lot of times we strategize together on his teams and we co-led some different things. When we'd have those things, I would go into his office at church. Uh, We didn't have very many of those conversations at home because for me, I need to know that my home was my sanctuary. It was my place of peace and it was my place where I could rest. And it was really cool too, because what developed over time was I would walk into the door and I would feel my mind shift and I'd walk into my office and I'd feel my mind shift. 
and it was really really great because being able to train my brain to to just snap into those different modes was super helpful for my work Mm -hmm. was super helpful for the cause that I was working on and it was super helpful for my family so I feel like in those moments we weren't just training ourselves so we could have better boundaries we were really equipping ourselves to leave a better legacy mm-hmm. and it was really great and i think a lot of times we need to have those physical things that we do the handing over of a phone the doing the projects elsewhere the having the space that we do and the space that we don't it's those physical things that then train our brains on how we are going to act and how we are going to respond and over time those mindset shifts that we make and the mental boundaries that we set those carry over so even as we move places or you know, work in different environments. Like now we, we work from home. I was just going to say, what's really funny is that we've carried those same things into our home. Mm-hmm. There are a couple rooms. We never, ever, ever talk about work stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about work stuff in our bedroom. We don't mm-hmm. talk about work stuff in the kitchen or in the living room, mm-hmm. but it's all in our office or in our porch. Yep. And for me, even in our home, I know if I have to have a phone call, that is going to be a hard phone call. I do not want to make this phone call. I do it in our office. Because you don't want to have that same I don't want to have that feeling in my stress. home. I right. don't want to be walking around my kitchen having this hard phone call and I look at my mixer and then the next time I'm, I'm using my mixer, I'm having like this weird emotion because it's reminding me of this phone call. It's all entangled. Yeah, it's all just a mess. Like I, I do those in my office because I recognize that the physical space helps create mental boundaries. I want to go back to a thing that you said just a second ago because this is really, really cool. We have a hard time communicating with people because... Uh, like about what we need, not necessarily because we don't care about what we need, but a lot of times, like you said, you sort of just assumed that other people would understand and know what it is that you needed because we always, uh, you know, put ourselves onto other people. We always assume other people operate like we do and think like we do on some level. And so when you come to the, come to terms with the fact that other people do not think like you. We are all weird. We are mm-hmm. all so weird. 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> once you come to terms with that fact, then you can help other people to understand. And that's that's one of the things that's been really good for our marriage, too, and, and for the family legacy that we're building is we recognize that we're weird. Our kids are weird. They have different needs and things that we can't just assume that because when I was 11 years old, this is what my life was like. Like, our son is very different than we were mm-hmm. back then. And so... Like just understanding those things helps us to have better conversation because it's really more of an exploring who the person is and exploring who we are than it is about a, I can't believe you didn't do X because you should have known that I needed X because it turns into anger real quick when you assume that they knew. Mm -hmm. But when you assume that they have no clue because they're weird and you're weird, it just comes, it's just from a lot more of a calm interested sort of conversation rather than a demanding upset conversation Mm -hmm. yeah that's really true you guys i'm just gonna admit it i totally just assumed that ted should have read my mind like four days ago (laughs) and i'm feeling a little bit (laughs) well yeah i assumed though too (laughs) man i don't even remember what it was about we figured it out we talked we figured it out we figured it out it took us like two minutes (laughs) (laughs) we've gotten better at it over the years too but that uh that brings me to a really great exercise that uh, listeners, you guys can do, is to write out the things that you know that you need in life. 
mm-hmm. and whether you need other people who live in your home to understand or your parents or people that you work with to understand have those conversations and not from a demanding upset place but from a hey i've been doing this exercise to try to figure out how i can be better at x better at work better at uh home better with our kids or whatever and just say like i found that these are some things that i know i'm realizing that i need what are some things that you need and just have start that conversation and start figuring it out because i think you'd be very surprised to learn that the things that you just assumed everybody needed are very not what everybody needs mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely i mean even in the way that we operate we've had to learn <clears throat> because like for me i need a lot of alone time um any time by myself and when i was at home and ted was working all the time and i was home and i had young kids i never got that alone time um it was really really it was just hard to get it because I was surrounded by kids. They couldn't actually talk to me, but they needed a lot. If you're a mom, you totally get it. Heck, <laughs> if you're a dad, you totally get it too. Um, but for me, I had to become very aware of myself and good at communicating the boundaries of, yep, this is when Ted is working. This is when he's not working. But then also my own personal boundaries. This is when I'm home, but this is when I need to be able to have a boundary of personal space and personal time. And all of those things kind of come together to make it so that I could get the time that I needed. But then when I was with my kids, I could be fully engaged with my kids. Mm-hmm. Just like we end up in a situation where we have the ministry that we're trying to do or the work that we're trying to build. And then we have our home life. And sometimes it can feel like that struggle. We also have to remember that sometimes the best thing that we can do to really invest in our family is to take space from our family when we need it. Um, Because I know for myself, if I get depleted energy-wise, and then I'm trying to be a good mom to my kids, it's just not going to go very well. I'm going to have a short temper. I'm going to get frustrated at things that really aren't worth getting frustrated about. And I'm just not going to be as kind and caring in those interactions. But if I take some time for myself and I just recognize me having this time for myself is really important because it actually benefits our family, that makes a huge difference. So for example, in the morning, uh, we actually set up a little coffee station in our room. Um, So when I wake up in the morning, I get up, I make myself a cup of coffee. I honestly don't even see my kids for the first 45 minutes to an hour that I'm awake. Um, and for me, that was really, really, really hard to do. I was really excited. I remember to have it you, set up. you had like this guilty feeling mm-hmm. in the beginning. The first like few days of it, I'd pop upstairs to see how the kids were doing before going back downstairs. And Ted was like, what are you doing? Stay downstairs. It's why we set this up. But I was feeling so guilty about it that I needed to make sure they were OK. And over time, I've learned my kids are fine in the morning. Ted's up usually way before I am. If they really need something, they if, can If they really need something, they yeah. can come down. But we've taught them the boundary of until mom comes upstairs, you don't come downstairs to talk to mom. <laughs> it's been funny, too, because like a couple times our daughter would like show up downstairs next to Lisa's bed. And she's like, what are you doing down here? And she's like, well, 
dad opened the door so I can come down now. She's like, no, no, no. If the door is closed, that means you don't go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's she'd be not like, if it has opened, it's if it is open. Dad opened allowed. at some point in the last couple hours. Therefore, I can come down. I was like, nope, that's not how this works. And to kind of put that in perspective, like our, our bedroom is the entire downstairs of our house. Yeah. But we share it with the kids because it's got a TV and stuff. So we have a living room. They in know our bedroom, they know that in the mornings, <laughs> Just that's not a spot for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so setting up those boundaries, I think it's been especially important this last year for not just our family, but I think pretty much every family in the world with the whole COVID thing, like a lot of people are most, a lot of people are still working from home and figuring out how to set up those boundaries and how to do that stuff. And if you haven't already figured it out, which maybe you were just forced into it um, and maybe you've kind of just dealt with the chaos um, we're going to challenge you guys to like actually talk it through and figure out how can I actually set up good boundaries because now work at home is like definitely clashing mm-hmm. when they're in the same physical spaces and bring those ki- and bring your kids into those conversations. Absolutely. 100% bring your spouse into those conversations, bring your kids in those conversations. If you're like rooming with a couple people, have a conversation with them um, because it's good to have the communication. It's good to get things out in the open. Just understand what the people in your home need. And even for our kids, like we'll bring them into these conversations and just say, hey, this is when we're going to be working and this is what our focus is going to be. And our kids, they even know the boundaries for their schooling. Hey, from this time to this time, like here's the school stuff that you need to get done And they know that they can come get help from us and, you know, whatever they might need. But having the clear expectations and those clear boundaries between school time and fun time, between family time and we're each kind of doing our own thing time, between mom and dad are working to mom and dad are in the kitchen and those different kind of interactions, because our kids understand how we operate and the boundaries of our home, they get way better time with us because when we're in our office and they know that we're working, they're not coming in saying, can we hang out now? Can we hang out now? Can we hang out now? Which makes it so that we aren't in a position of constantly having to say no. Yeah, not constantly rejecting them. Right. But because they know that when we move into a different part of the house, they can ask us to hang out. And the answer is way, way, way more likely to be yes that changes the the dynamic because they are he- hearing yes from us way more than they're hearing no from us. And it's not because we're just interaction with them. folding. It's because we've set the yeses up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a really interesting thing, too, for our listeners and for us as the world starts to kind of open back up. I think a lot of the boundaries that we have learned to set in the home when it comes to work and school and all that stuff are going to expand into the world around us like when we volunteer at organizations it's not just something that we're going to go and do like we're going to have those conversations with our kids we're going to try to figure out how to bring them into that environment to see mom and dad serving and helping people and and even being involved in some of that stuff rather than just assuming well they're kids so they're going to stay home and i'm going to go do this adult thing Mm -hmm. um with our work same thing like i i love it when we can set it up so our kids can overhear work conversations Mm -hmm. because it's training them to be able to have a sales conversation or a business conversation just through osmosis and we've we've trained them to not interrupt but to be able to just like sit down and do some schoolwork and listen to a work conversation happening is really really good for them 
Mm-hmm. And those are the types of things that when you have clear boundaries in place, you can start to see the areas in your life that are open for those interactions and for those moments where, overlap, right. where the overlap can naturally happen versus uh, when you don't have boundaries, the overlap is constantly happening and it feels like you're fighting against everything all the time. Absolutely. This has been a super, super great conversation. I'm guessing we're getting kind of close to the time. We are. I'd ask, uh, what's your one biggest piece of of advice when it comes to setting boundaries? Oh, geez. My biggest piece of advice for setting boundaries is to have real, safe conversations about boundaries. Because I have learned so much about, like, we, we got the conversation started with our marriage counselor, but we learned how to have really open conversation about what we need the boundaries to be from that. And we continue that to this day because the, the, the goalposts of boundaries shift all the time at different seasons of life. And so, uh, you don't always have the luxury of going to see a marriage counselor every single time you need to shift a boundary, right? Mm -hmm. So learning how to have those conversations in a way that isn't, I'm already frustrated and now we're fighting or something <laughs> like be able to actually say, Hey, let's have a conversation about boundaries. Some stuff has changed. This has happened to us a lot in the, in the last few months, just because like our day off has had to shift. And every time we're kind of like, Hey, it makes more sense for this day to be our day off because we have these other opportunities happening um, these on, on the day where we normally would have taken off. And so we have that conversation instead of like, Ted, I haven't had a day off in three months. Mm-hmm. And I assume that you would, you know, change something, you know, we've had the conversation, like basically as soon as it became clear that something should shift. Yeah. As soon as we recognize something needed to change at all, we've had that conversation. And I think what I would say is if you're not sure how to set boundaries, find someone that you trust who can help you facilitate that. Mm -hmm. For us, it was a really great marriage counselor. We actually went to our marriage counselor the first time when we were doing awesome in our marriage. We went and Mm -hmm. met with him. He's like, why are you here today? And we said, we don't know. We just thought this was a good idea. Um, and so it was able to build up trust before we got into a situation where we actually <laughs> needed him, which was we, awesome. Yeah, that was really, really great. Because when we did need to go in, it was we, we were already like, we know what this guy has to say is really, really smart. He helped us to even like build stuff that we didn't even realize that we should build mm-hmm. back then. So he's definitely going to be able to help us get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so super super great obviously if you're in a spot where things are already chaotic like don't wait another minute figure out somebody you can talk to that's going to give you great advice on how to start rearranging things and making stuff work because your cause needs you to be able to operate well your legacy needs you to be up well able able to operate well and your family needs you to be able to operate well also Mm -hmm. yeah so with that uh we'd like to pose the question to you what is one boundary that you can start the discussion about setting. Um, Maybe it's a work boundary with a boss or a colleague, or maybe it's something at home that you know that if I could get this one thing just adjusted or a little bit more under control, it could make a huge impact to the rest of my life. So we'd love to hear from you guys. You can always send us an email to office at LegacyBuildersINTL.com. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersINTL.com. 